all these big transitions in life that are very stressful generally have a significant financial component to them. And that can really stress people out, reduce their productivity. And so we were able to develop this into a thesis as we started talking to, to more employers about it. And we're like, wow, like, I think we have an opportunity to really change the way the service is delivered and, and really change the way that adults in the United States think about financial planning, where we can change it from, okay, I'm getting fed to the wolves who are going to try to sell me stuff. And it's so complicated. I don't understand it. It sounds really great, but a lot of times it's not. It's so like, okay, because the employer is sponsoring this uh, benefit, the employee can feel really safe that it's not something where they're going to be taken advantage of. That was Origin founder and CEO, Matt Watson. In this episode, I'm really excited to sit down with Matt and talk about financial wellness as a new platform and benefit for organizations. We're going to get into his role in founding Origin, how they work, and why now is the time for organizations to be rethinking their approaches to benefits. So we'll be right back with that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor. Support for the Redefining HR podcast comes from PIN. PIN is building the world's first employee-centric communications tool, powering fast-growing companies like Shopify, Rubrik, and Sneak. Automate messages across the employee journey so you never miss an opportunity and your employees are supported every step of the way. From onboarding to becoming a new manager and more, PIN helps companies communicate at scale. Go to pinhq.com for more information. That's P-Y-N-H-Q.com. Reinvent communications for the distributed workforce. And now, on to the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Redefining HR Podcast. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt. And today, I'm really excited to be joined by Matt Watson. Matt is the founder and CEO of Origin. And we're going to be talking about financial wellness in the workplace. So, Matt, thanks so much for coming on the show. Why don't you uh, start off and just give the viewers uh, a brief introduction and background on you? Yeah, Lars, thanks so much for having me. Excited to, uh, to be on the show with you. Longtime listener, first time caller here. <laughs> so uh, pumped to be part of it. Uh, yeah, quick background on me. So um, I've been an entrepreneur now for about uh, going on seven years. I've started uh, two companies, all in the financial services uh, technology industry. Uh, the, the business that we're building right now is a financial wellness company uh, called Origin. And what we do is we work with generally large and growing employers to help their employees understand their money better. And what we found was that there's this huge gap in the world where folks who work very hard, make great income, they have nowhere to go to talk to anyone about money without having a product sold to them. So they could go to you know a large financial institution, but most often there's a vested interest when they get on the phone to sell them something. And what we want to do is create a place where an employee could go to understand their comp, understand those financial benefits, and really create a financial plan that sets themselves and their families up for success. Yeah, so let's, I obviously want to spend a lot of time with you on Origin, but but going back a little bit first, I mean, you, you started your career at Citibank, uh, you were a trader for uh, just a handful of years before you left and started your own company. So what, you know... Walk me through that that role. Like you're out of college, you're in this new role, you're in this for a couple of years, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and leave this uh, this job and uh, you know build something." What was your thought process like in that transition? You know, at the time after I graduated from school and I started working on this job in Wall Street, you know, folks thought I was absolutely insane. It was like, "You have this great job. Why would you move out to San Francisco with no job, nothing at all?" And and I really thought that at the time, and I think more so today than even then, there's this 
just amazing opportunity available for folks who are willing to really take a one step of risk to say, you know what, I'm excited about doing something on my own. I want to go build a business that can make an impact in whatever field I'm interested in. And this is something that's a you know relatively new phenomenon. I mean, you know, 30, 40 years ago, our parents' generation, like that wasn't available. You couldn't just go out to venture capital and say, hey, I've got this great idea. We've got some early customers. We really want to make a run at building a big business. It was, you know, it was effectively impossible to do that. And so I saw this market developing. And you know, from a very young age for me, I'd been entrepreneurial starting businesses in you know, high school. I said, wow, like, I can do this for my job full time. Like that is killer. Uh, I want to get out to San Francisco and do it. And so quit my job in New York. And uh, I think I took a bumpier road to, to starting a business. So I moved out to San Francisco. It took me about a year to get my first company off the ground. And I was going to a coffee shop every day, just trying to learn what Silicon Valley is and how it works. And it was a really quick and steep learning curve to, to figure that stuff out. But what, what I've taken away from that is the initial thesis was correct. Like San Francisco and really you know globally now as the pandemic has flattened the world is this amazing place where if you come with energy and passion to start a company, you can do it. Like you can go out and do it. And one of the things that I am most passionate about outside of origin is helping other entrepreneurs just take that leap. And what I'm constantly advising people to do is like, if you can think long-term about what you want to accomplish, like just go and do it and take that first step and good things are going to happen for if you just, if you just keep your nose to the grindstone and keep pushing. So uh, that was really my experience, you know, leaving kind of this high paying job and taking this leap and then ultimately being fortunate enough to, to get the business off the ground. Yeah. So, you know, you got the business off the ground two years into it. You got acquired, you know, had your first exit at a uh, at an early stage in your career. What did you think you wanted to do then? So, you know, the, the deal, the terms are, you know, set and finalized. Uh, I don't know if you had like a, a stay period, but, you know, obviously the next thing you did was to, to found Origin. Walk me through that, like that immediate moment, um, the deal gets done, your first company is sold. Are you like right at that moment thinking, okay, I'm going to build this other new thing now? Do you, were you like, you know, maybe I'll do something else? Like what was your kind of mental state uh, during that period? It's definitely a fluid time when there's, there's a lot of thought, right? What do we do next? What do we want to do? And for me, I think what I realized was that I actually really enjoy starting companies. It really gets me excited. And I think that you know, talking to your customer and figuring out what the pain point is like, that's what it's all about is, is, okay, we have this idea. And like, our idea was that it's really hard for employees to, to manage money or understand money. And this is something that was developed when we were at Indio and we're building this company and you know, it wasn't a huge business, got up to about a hundred employees. But while we're doing that, you know, these are folks who are in San Francisco. They make really good money. They've got awesome benefits. Like it's a pretty awesome place to work. They're still coming and saying, I can't afford to live in San Francisco. Like how am I going to buy a place here? Like, you know, I'm making great money and my, my apartment is pretty constrained. Like, should I spend more and do this? Should I put money into a 401k? I've got student debt. You know, you gave me equity. Like, great. It seems like it's going to be worth something. Like how much is it going to be worth? What are the taxes on this going to be? You know, people are coming to me because I, I started the company and because I had a financial services background. I didn't know the answers to a lot of these questions, like most of them. And so I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, wow, like my employees who are very smart people, very hardworking, they don't know what to do with the money that they're earning or the benefits that they're being given. I've worked in financial services and maybe it's an indication as to why I don't work in it anymore, but I, I was struggling with, with these questions and it was like, wow, like this is crazy. Like there's nowhere for these people to go to just get really good advice. And the thing that got us excited about the business was that, you know, if you make a lot of, if you make half a million dollars a year or more, 
you know, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, all the private wealth management firms, they're going to be knocking on your door and you're going to be welcomed with open arms. But if you're making $100,000, $150,000, $250,000, you're not going to present enough of an asset base for them to, to even engage with you. And so you're kind of in this no man's land. And so we said, let's go work with employers to help them solve this problem. And as we unpacked that a little bit further, it just became more and more clear that this was something worth solving. And the stats around it are pretty crazy. So, so 60% of U.S. adults say that finances are, no, are their number one source of stress. Uh, finances are a larger driver of stress than job, health, and relationship stress combined. And so we start talking to them at work, what are you focused on solving? And they'd say, well, you know, we're focused on solving mental health or fertility. And we want people to understand their equity more. And we want them to take advantage of their benefits. And we want to set them up for retirement. And as we looked at all the problems that people were trying to solve these companies, it was like so many of these come back to to financial stress, you know, relationship stress. What What's a big driver there for that stress? A lot of times it's money. You know, we're, we're getting ready to have a family. Okay, great. It's very expensive to do that. You know, obviously there's the, the fertility component, then it's paying for the child. You're going to want to help maybe pay for their education. Uh, maybe you're going to move to a bigger home or maybe move out of state to a less expensive area. Like all these big transitions in life that are very stressful generally have a significant financial component to them. And that can really stress people out reduce their productivity. And so as we started to kind of build this thesis out more and started talking to employers, right? Yeah, like we, we want to solve this and we don't know how to do it. And so that was really what got us excited was like, we felt we had this hunch that there was a problem when it was working at Indio. We were able to develop this into a thesis as we started talking to, to more employers about it. And we're like, wow, like I think we have an opportunity to really change the way the service is delivered and, and really change the way that adults in the United States think about financial planning where we can change it from, okay, I'm getting fed to the wolves who are going to try to sell me stuff. And it's so complicated. I don't understand it. It sounds really great, but a lot of times it's not. It's like, okay, because the employer is sponsoring this uh, benefit, the employee can feel really safe that it's not something where they're going to be taken advantage of. Yeah. So, so how does origin work? So walk me through that. So companies, um, that you work with, you kind of mentioned some of the, the types of companies that typically work with the kind of populations that they may have, but how does the, how does the kind of relationship with clients work? And then kind of how does, how does the origin services support employees? How, how can they take advantage? Yeah. So the easiest way to think about origin is you use our service to get matched one-on-one -on -one with a certified financial planner. That's your certified financial planner for you and your family. So you come into our platform and we have, you know, we're a technology company. So we have all this great technology that helps collect all the information that the financial planner needs to create that financial plan for you. So you'll come in, you know, you'll link accounts if you'd like, you can add any data, you can, you know, talk about taxes, equity, whatever you'd like to from in, in terms of the technological onboarding. And then you have the option to set up a video call just, just like this one, or you can text directly with your certified financial planner. And one of the big things that we realized early was that continuity of care is really, really important. So like, let's say you're my financial planner. It's like, great. Like we got together, you know, we sat down with me and my wife. We talked about our future plans for family and kids and, and retirement. You know, next time I come in, I want to meet with you again. You know my story. You know what, what's going on. You know, three months from now, hey, I got a raise. Like, great. Let's just update this plan. And so that was a big gap and opportunity that we saw where other folks, you know, if they have a similar service, it's, you know, they're bounced around internally to different people and, and not picking up where you left off was a big thing. So um, we really like that one-on-one -on -one connection. And we think that that's very important. 
And so why origin? What is the, uh, I love getting a sense of the kind of origin stories of Company Dave. How'd you end up uh, arriving at origin? I'm like the worst name picker in the world. <laughs> I think it's like the hardest part of, of starting a company. Is what it really is. It? What are you going to call it? But for us, we wanted this to be you know, the first time that an employee is starting their financial journey. So we are there at the origin story of you taking control of your financial health and your financial security. Uh, and many of the people that we deal with are coming in and setting up a financial plan or a budget uh, or talking about retirement for the very first time. And we want to be that home base for them to come in and say, great, like this is where I kind of said, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to put a stake in the ground and start working towards my financial future. The common refrain is that the, the best day to start financial planning was yesterday. Uh, the second best day is today. Right. So it's like every day that you haven't done this, like you're missing out on significant generally opportunity and upside. And there, there's no such thing as timing the market, at least in my opinion, like it's just not possible. But what you want to do is, you know, make sure that you are setting this financial plan up as early as humanly possible. So that by the time you are a little bit older, by the time you're mid late stage in your career, you've had the benefit of all of this compounding that's occurred, you know, over the first five to 10 years of your career. And I think that one of the things that we point out to folks is that by taking relatively small measures in terms of saving a little bit more, putting in your 401k, paying off credit cards or debt, the impact as you move from your mid 20s to your mid 30s and your 40s can be very, very significant. Just the same, like someone comes in and they're, you know, they're 40 and, and you know, we see a lot of people who are, you know, they kind of just keep their head down and they're cranking at work and they're living in an expensive city and, you know, the savings doesn't accumulate as they'd like to. And maybe the, the 401k contributions haven't been there. And a lot of technology firms, you know, don't offer matches. So it's not as attractive to do that. And we say, great, like, that's totally okay. Let's, let's put a game plan in place where we can help you, you know, get to your, you know, late fifties, early sixties and think about retirement. And so we really encourage people to not put it off and to, and to really start their origin story with us as, as quickly as they can. Hey everyone. I hope you're enjoying the show. I want to take a brief break to share a new initiative that I think you'll find helpful. Redefining HR started with this podcast and evolved into a best-selling book laying a framework for modern HR and people operations. I'm excited to share the next evolution, the Redefining HR Accelerator. The Accelerator is a full platform to build, inspire, and support the next generation of people leaders, including cohort programs, courses, open source resources, and most importantly, community. Thanks to listeners like you, Redefining HR is now broadened into a tire platform focused on building readiness for tomorrow's HR today. Learn more at redefininghr.com. And now, back to the show. The conversation in HR around benefits has certainly been evolving. I think traditionally we looked at, you know, medical benefits, uh, dental, vision, etc. But we generally had a pretty narrow view around how we thought about supporting our employees and the types of benefits that we um, should provide to support them. And I think if you look at the world now, those conversations are changing dramatically, you know, from, from mental health support to, again, financial wellness. Like, why do you think now is the, the right time for having kind of these conversations around organizations um, supporting financial wellness? Yeah, I mean, I, I always like to think about it from, from the business case you know, obviously run a business and think about it from a more tactical perspective. But I think we're in an environment now where winners and losers are going to be decided based on the people at the company, how well companies retain folks and how, how well they're able to recruit. 
I, I think the biggest risk to our business is our ability to recruit and retain top people. And I think that many companies think similarly. And so we're in this environment now where it is so challenging to recruit people. It is, you know, employees have never had more choice. If you're a, a strong employee, you could probably pick up the phone and get a job offer by, you know, lunchtime today. It's, it's that strong. And so what we've seen is, you know, really over the last couple of years, but I think COVID has accelerated this, a strong stock market and strong fundraising environment has accelerated this. Companies are recognizing, okay, this is actually a very good bottom line business decision for us to increase our investments in our employee experience. And so we want a place where, you know, when an employee comes to talk with us for the first time, we can talk to them and show them by the work that we've done in the past that we take the employee experience very seriously. And so Silicon Valley, I think traditionally has been, you know, first mover in, in, in these domains and recognize this, but there's been this huge sweep and some really big companies have been built providing these new age employee experience opportunities to folks. You, know, you already touched on mental health, financial wellness, fertility, additional education. And you know, I, I was on a panel yesterday and the question was, does this go away if, you know, when the, if the pandemic subsides, if the, if the market cools off? And I am a firm believer that it doesn't. I think that there's been a structural shift and it really comes back to you know, the bottom line, which is if you want to build a great business right now, it's going to require retaining and recruiting the best people. And the only way that you're going to do that is by building an amazing employee experience. And, and really what that means is thinking about your employee base holistically and making sure that they can bring their full potential into the office. And when they're there, that they not the office, the proverbial office, but when they're there working, <laughs> right. they feel really good about that. They're happy about the way the company treats them and thinks about them and it allows them to be more productive. Everything you're saying makes sense to me. I'm curious, like, is you're having conversations with, you know, are your typical buyers, you know, CHROs and chief people officers for the most they, part? They are, yeah. We, we generally start working with the benefits team and then, you know, as we as we move through our relationship with the company, we'll go to Total Rewards and then the CHRO, the chief people officer. And are those conversations like kind of what you what you frame in terms of how the thinking is shifting specifically since the pandemic and, and the prior the the urgency around employee experience from a retention standpoint? Is that reflected in the conversations you're having with with CPOs and CHROs? Like are they is that part of the driver of them kind of coming like, OK, like we need to, to be more, um, you know, inventive and progressive in the ways that we're creating programs that help us attract and retain talent? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest indication of that to me has been the shift in the types of companies that that want to talk to us about our services. It's pretty clear that the fast growing technology companies have, have historically provided just amazing benefits to employees. That's a big part of the value prop. But now we're starting to get law firms and engineering firms and medical practices and universities who are coming in and saying, hey, like this is awesome. We're improving our employee experience. And that to me was like, oh, okay, like this is this is a real shift here where these non, you know, traditional early movers are now saying, hey, this is really important to us as well. And so to me, that's an indication that this trend of understanding that improving the employee experience is, is the right thing to do, but it's also a bottom line contributor is afoot. And so I that's really the big trend that I think was most significant to me in terms of recognizing like, okay, this is not just a transient thing due to COVID. This is going to be the new normal in the way that employers really try to be be more competitive in whatever industry they operate in. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think uh, as we're having these conversations within the field around returning to the workplace and kind of designing post-COVID plans, and obviously, to be clear, we're not post-COVID right now, um, but we'll, we'll get there at some point or at a place where we're just 
uh, living with it in a different way. Um, but I think that organizations that are, are getting pressure from maybe old school CEOs to kind of revert back to those days of February 2020, uh, they're going to be in for a bit of a rude awakening because this is, uh, you know, I think that a lot of the shifts that the pandemic created and launched and or accelerated, you know, that that's not a kind of, you know, just pandemic related shift. Like this is how we think about things now and certainly how employees think about things. And so even if the market cools off, I think they're still going to be in the driver's seat as it relates to wanting to have a more robust set of programs to help both them, you know, be attracted to organization and also be retained. Flexibility, just all the kind of things that we're talking about right now in the space. So, um, Matt, for listeners and viewers that want to, you know, learn more about Origin, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, the best way to do that is to uh, either email me directly, matt at useorigin.com, or to visit our website, useorigin.com, and you can talk to uh, someone on our team there. All right. Well, yeah, well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing a bit more about, uh, you know, your, your background, your journey to founding Origin. Um, and I want to close out like we do every episode with a little lightning round to help the listeners and viewers uh, get to know Matt a little better. So you ready for this? Let's do it. All right. So music, Spotify, I'm checking out your playlist. Uh, who will I learn are your top three artists? All right. Big Wild. He's like a house music guy, very much into Red Hot Chili Peppers. And my last one would be Kygo. Okay, I, I, I dig the uh, the Chili Peppers and the uh, EDM and house uh, flavor there. Chili Peppers are timeless. I, we, we were on a road trip uh, to the beach a couple of weeks ago and had to go down a rabbit hole of, uh, you know, old Chili so Peppers good. albums it's because so they... I just like you throw that on and everyone's happy about it. Like <laughs> yes. cross generation, been listening to it since I was 10. It, it's so yep. good. Yeah, it holds up, holds up. Um, what is your least favorite HR buzzword? Least favorite HR buzzword? budget <laughs> <laughs> which is fitting that uh that would that would make sense um all right so you know you've worked in financial services obviously in banking and as an entrepreneur um you can't do that anymore that career is no longer open to you what do you think you'd be doing i would be a kite surfing instructor that is uh it's my favorite thing to do it's my favorite thing to teach people and uh it's it's a fantastic sport and, and uh anyone in the bay area where it's very windy should do it. Reach out to me. Would love to. Uh, would love to help teach you. That's very cool. Yeah, I grew up in uh, in Florida, so skating and surfing. I can handle kite surfing. Uh, uh, maybe maybe one day. I might need a thicker wetsuit though. I think yeah, that's yeah, be. cold in the bay. <laughs> um, and so I know you know you don't obviously work in HR, but you have a role obviously that is deeply connected to the HR world and community. Um, when you think about the CHROs and CPOs that you've interacted with, you know who who is one that stands out to you? Who's a, a CPO who you admire? Uh, Kara Alamano, I'd say, is uh, is someone that I really admire. She's just has a real passion for for all the things that we're talking about and delivering an, an amazing employee experience. I think she's kind of broken out of the mold of kind of the more traditional people role, and she's pushed the the sector forward just across the board. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll certainly co-sign on Kara. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, she also does is she's the co-founder of the People Tech Partners. Um, group, which is a tremendous networking group. If you're a CHRO or a CPO, especially if you work in tech, that is a group that should be on your radar because it's a, it's a great uh, kind of incubator for HR tech, but it's also a great uh, peer community for modern HR operators. So definitely can't recommend Kara or PTP strongly enough. So thanks so much for coming on the show, sharing your journey to origin, helping us learn a little bit more about what you do. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Very much appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. 
For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book, or free resources, be sure to check out redefininghr.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week.